Hosea chapter 10. Hosea chapter 10. God willing, we'll be expounding the first two verses. The title of the message this morning is An Empty Vine. An Empty Vine. You know, it's natural to desire peace and happiness and for us to dread trouble and despair. We're always trying to balance things out to make sure that we're not in a position of despair, to make sure that, that things are okay in life, they're going well, whether it's our health, our finances, our relationships with people. Uh, and, and as Christians, we tend to focus on overcoming our adversities, don't we? Devotions talk about overcoming adversity. Uh, but unfortunately, we know very little about overcoming our prosperity. We think, well, Brother Rich, why would we want to overcome prosperity? Prosperity is a great weapon of the enemy. Did you know that prosperity, if not handled properly, can be more harmful than adversity? This morning's passage addresses this very topic by telling us the story of an empty vine. If you'll look here in your text this morning, Israel is an empty vine. After preaching last night at the uh, couple's banquet, I'm a little more hoarse, uh, so I may have to drink a little extra. Israel is an empty vine. Now, this is a difficult passage for translators, I've noticed. And the King James says it's an empty vine. The American Standard and many others, they say it's a luxuriant vine or a very fruitful vine, which is the very opposite of an empty vine. And they can't both be right, of course. So let me expound a little bit on here in case you were to be consulting a different translation than ours. You wouldn't be confused. The Hebrew word that's translated empty here has the idea of fruit being emptied off of a vine. Being emptied off of a vine. And since fruit is coming or being emptied off of that vine, some of the translators believe that the fruit, that the vine must be putting out a lot of fruit since it's coming off of it. King James got it right. The, uh, there are other translations that get it better. Every place this Hebrew word is used in the Bible, every single place is describing something that is either completely empty or that has been emptied. Make sense? Which is the case with our text this morning. At one time, Israel was a luxuriant vine. Israel was a healthy, fruitful vine. It was loaded with fruit, but the fruitful vine has been emptied of her fruit now. That should set it in a whole lot plainer light. Listen to how the Jewish translation puts it. Jewish trans the Jews got their translation right on this. Israel was a luxuriant vine which put forth fruit freely. It was in the past tense. At one time in her heyday, Israel was really putting out fruit as a nation. Very, very productive nation. That's the idea of this text. At one time, she was a glorious nation. A prosperous nation. 
a powerful and a beautiful nation. That's the way Israel was at one time. But that time is gone now. You know, you look at societies, you look at Rome, you can still see some of those Roman roads that were built, you know, that still exist today. You still see the Roman Colosseum. You hear about Alexander the Great. You hear about uh, King Nebuchadnezzar. You hear about all these nations that once were very glorious, powerful world empires. And then it's gone. It's just remnants now. Or ruins, you know, in some places. Or uh, like Rome's still there today, but it's nothing like it used to be. Nothing. No one fears Rome anymore. What turns a rising nation into a fallen nation? What turns a luxuriant vine into an empty vine? What makes a nation lose its prowess and its productivity? It all depends on if that nation is following the sovereign plan of God. That's what it amounts to. Daniel chapter 2 verse 20 and 21 says this, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are His, and He changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. God's in control of all of that, not us. God's plan for Israel was for them to live according to the commandments He gave them from Mount Sinai. The, the commandments He handed down through Moses. And by living according to His law, they would bear witness of His name to all the world. And God would keep them productive and fruitful and He would bless them. As, as long as they followed God's plan, they would remain that fruitful, luxuriant vine. But if they forsook their God, then they would no longer be that fruitful vine. The Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, ye are the branches, or the branches of that vine. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. Where did Israel go wrong as a nation? Why wasn't she a luxuriant vine now? Why was she an empty vine today? What happened to them that made them an empty vine. God went on to explain, look back in your text, He that is Israel bringeth forth fruit unto himself. Now let me clear this up as well. There's some, there's some wording here in the Hebrew that you, you've got to dig into. You're not going to be able to, to understand this. That word bringeth, if you want to underscore that in your Bible and write out in your margin, Put down, write down, leveled. Leveled. He leveled fruit unto himself. This word bringeth means to level. Like if you have something up here on the scale and you have something down here on the scale, you keep putting more on this end until finally the scale is level. It's equal on both sides. They increased... A particular sin in their nation that was equivalent or level to the amount of fruit they bore as a nation. That's what the, uh, Hosea is saying here. 
So however much God blessed them as a nation, they sinned accordingly. That's what he's saying. He bringeth forth or he leveleth fruit unto himself. He's equivocating fruit unto himself. Specifically, the more prosperous they became, the more their idolatry increased. God said, look back in your text, according, this is how he leveled the fruit up. He did so according to the multitude of his fruit, he hath increased the altars. You say, well, Brother Richard, the altars, that's a great thing. Man, they're getting more religious. They were getting more religious, all right. They were getting religious with their idolatry. There was only one altar that Israel could offer sacrifices at. And that was at the temple. That was it. No other place but the temple of God. The brazen altar and the golden altar that's on the inside of the holy place. You can't offer any other uh, anything else before God made the tabernacle, that was different. But once He established that tabernacle and He showed them how their law was going to work, any other altar they could not offer anything on. Because God was showing them there's only one way to God and there's only one altar that your sins are going to be forgiven at, which is a picture of the cross of Jesus Christ in no other place. No other place. But if you're worshiping a false god... You can have all the altars you want to. And so they, God was blessing them, the one true God was blessing them, and the more He blessed them, the more they built these altars unto their false gods or their false worship. The Jewish translation says, as His fruit increased, He increased His altars. The more prosperous the land became, the more idolatrous the land became. We'll repeat that again. The more prosperous the land became, the more idolatrous the land became. Remember I told you that prosperity can be worse for a believer than adversity. The higher Israel rose, the lower they began to fall. And that can happen to us as well, not just as a nation, but as individuals. It has happened to us as a nation. But it happens to us as individuals too. At one time, Israel was a fruitful vine. And when a nation is prosperous, this nation needs to begin to ask themselves, anytime a nation is prosperous, anytime a nation, their GDP is going out the roof, their, 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 their military is strong and powerful, anytime this happens, a nation needs to ask themselves, and, and they're at a time of peace. They need to say, how did we get here? What were the principles that brought us to this place right here of peace and prosperity in our land? And if they don't do that, then they're going to be bound to forget those principles and forfeit their peace and prosperity in the future. If something caused your nation to become prosperous, then all you have to do is just continue in those principles to remain prosperous. But if you abandon those principles, then you're going to abandon the prosperity they brought you. Israel became a prosperous nation because God delivered them out of their bondage to Egypt. God gave them His Word. 
And God blessed them as long as they followed it. That's what made them the nation they were. That's what put fruit on the vine. And God knew that if Israel ever forgot where they came from, you ever heard people say, oh, I know what's wrong with him. He forgot where he came from. Man, it's so true. Israel forgot where they came from. And God knew if they ever forgot where they came from, that they would forget how they got to where they were. People just born in, born in Israel, born in the promised land, they look up, everything's fine. Well, look here. I've always been here. Therefore, it will always be this good. It's not that way. I was born in a prosperous nation, but it's not so prosperous anymore. It's getting hard for people to pay the bills, and it's getting scary. All right? Not scary as a believer, but you know what I'm saying. It's getting crazy out there. And I can see how if the right circumstances were to take place, someone come in and just kick us aside. But he knew if they ever forgot where they came from, they, for, they would forget how they got to where they were. So you know what God did? God reminded them over and over and over again in his word, lest they forget the principles that made them great. Listen to these verses, Leviticus 25, 38. God told them, I am the Lord your God, which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan and to be your God. What was he saying? This is where you came from. This is how you got here. Me, my love and grace for you. Leviticus 25, 55. For unto me the children of Israel are servants. They are my servants whom I brought forth out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Remember where you came from. Remember how you got here. Leviticus 26, 13. I am the Lord your God, which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt, that you should not be their bondmen. In other words, this is how you became free. And I have broken the bands of your yoke and made you go upright. Numbers fifteen forty one. I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. Over and over again, in God's Word, they are reminded of where they came from, how they got to where they were, and how they enjoyed the prosperity, uh, prosperity and liberty that they had. It was through the Lord's grace. Some of the last words that Moses said to the nation of Israel before he left them were in Deuteronomy 4.23, before God took Moses home. Moses told them, Take heed unto yourselves, lest ye forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which He made with you, and, and make you a graven image or the likeness of anything which the Lord thy God hath forbidden thee. He says, "You Take heed, you be careful, so you don't forget the covenant of God that He made with you, and in forgetting, you end up making you a graven image or the likeness of anything which God said not to make. So you be careful. Don't forget your God and end up worshiping false gods. That's exactly what Israel has done in the book of Hosea. According to God's blessing, they leveled up their sin and their idolatry. They forgot the Lord their God, and they began to heap unto themselves idolatry according to the blessings God's given them. And sadly, Israel forgot where they came from. They grew accustomed to their prosperity. They forgot the godly principles that made them prosperous. God said, look back in your text, according to the goodness of His land, 
they have made goodly images. According to the goodness of his land, they have made goodly images. You know what that means? The nicer their land became, the nicer they made their idolatrous pillars of stone. The more God blessed them, the further they departed from him. Here's a kingdom truth for you this morning. When a nation forgets God, their failure will be proportionate to their success. That's what we're seeing here. When God says, the better your land was, the worse your idolatry became. What that kingdom truth we're learning is, when a nation forgets God, their failure will be in proportion to their success. They'll begin to credit that success to something else. They'll begin to to wallow in their sin equal to the success that they have. In other words, however much wealth they have, that's how much they'll spend on this. However much power they have, that's how much they'll give toward their 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 false ways. I can't help but think of the White House when we, we we're taking all of this money and we're investing it on trying to educate people to uh, to. Uh, 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 have this um, diversity and inclusion stuff and make sure we don't offend anybody uh, who wants to be called a man or a woman. And they put, uh, I saw a picture of a, a gay pride flag on a uh, one of our military tanks this morning. And I think, dear God, you're talking about just inviting the wrath of God down on us. But that's what they're doing. They're not putting the clause of this. And we're going to put this out in the front here. According to the goodness of our nation, that's how much our sin will be. We're going to throw our weight behind it. We're going to identify our nation this way. Here's a kingdom truth for you this morning. Prosperity will result in one of two things. This is why it's so dangerous. Prosperity will result in one of two things either in forgetfulness or in thankfulness. Prosperity will result in one of two things, forgetfulness or thankfulness. Can you see that? God prospers you. You can either say, praise God. Thank you, Lord, for doing this for us. We give you thanks. Or God can prosper you. And you can no longer be afraid of your enemies. You can no longer be afraid of going without food because you have everything you need. So you just put God off to the side. You forget about Him and you run off and you serve your flesh. Prosperity will result in either forgetfulness or in thankfulness. When God blesses you and prospers you, that blessing will either result in your thankfulness or your forgetfulness. The flesh remembers God in times of adversity, but it forgets God in times of prosperity. We'll say it again. I'm talking about the flesh. This is true for any person's flesh. We all came from Adam. We all have a fallen nature. And so your flesh will forget God in times of prosperity. It will remember God in times of adversity. When you're in trouble, you'll think, Ah, I need God. I'll get religious here. I'll start reading my Bible more. I'll start praying more. 
the flesh remembers God in times of, uh, uh, of adversity. When you're in trouble, you run to God. Consequently, the flesh forgets God in times of prosperity. God removes the struggle. God removes the fear. God delivers you from the problem you were in. And that flesh will forget God in times of prosperity. That's why Moses said, when you get there and things are going your way, you take heed lest you forget the covenant of God and you end up making you an idol to something else. When King David committed adultery with Bathsheba, when was that? It was when he was home resting instead of fighting. You think he would have been worried about sleeping around with some other woman and daydreaming about something like that if a man's coming at him with a sword? No. He'd be saying, oh, dear God, you know, I praise thee, O God. I love thee, O God. Lord, deliver us, O God, for your great namesake. The flesh remembers God in times of adversity. But in times of prosperity, when you're sitting up there in your palace and everything's fine, the flesh forgot God. And he went in unto Bathsheba. When did Israel depart from God? Israel departed from God when they were prospering, not when they were struggling. When they began to struggle, you look there in the times of the judges. Man, whenever they began to struggle, oh Lord, you know, <laughs> Lord deliver us. Things start going right. They forgot God. God said, look, if you would, in verse 2, their heart is divided. Their heart is divided. Now, don't think that they were, their heart was divided in the sense that it was split into two halves. The idea here in the, in the Hebrew language is uh, of a smooth stone. And uh, I'll show you what I mean. Back then... They would, if they, let's say that we had, um, we had land, and I'm going to give a little land to Brother Andy, I'm going to give a land, little land to Brother Doug, I'm going to give a little land to Brother James, and what am I going to do? I'm going to be dividing that land up to them, you see. So this dividing here, when it says their heart's divided, it has the idea of it being given out to something. Like you would, you would hand a lot to someone with the smooth stones. Well, here, this is your lot. This is your stone. This is whatever. And this is what you get. And so um, when God says their heart's divided, it means they had given their heart over to these idols. Instead of giving their heart to God, their heart, just like me, handed that land to Brother James, and here, here's your lot. Here's your lot. I'm going to divide this up. They divide their heart out, and they gave it to false gods. It didn't belong to God anymore. And that was the problem. That's how come they, they were forgetting instead of blessing. Israel's heart was divided from the one true God and given away to the false gods they created. That's why their false altars increase with their prosperity. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so as God gave them treasure, they invested in their false gods and because that's where their heart was. And sure enough, where their treasure was, their heart was also. They had given their heart to their false gods. Look back in your text. Now shall they be found faulty. In other words, God found a fault with them. They were wrong. When their nation fell, it would not be God's fault. It would be their fault. They'll be found faulty. 
They're the ones that made this nation fall. They're accountable for their own destruction. Hosea said, look back in your text, He, that is God, shall break down their altars. How would God break their altars down? He would break them down in times of war. He'd break them down with adversity by their enemies. Isn't that something? They were enjoying prosperity. Their flesh forgot God in times of prosperity. And now their altars will be broken in times of adversity. Here's a kingdom truth for you this morning. And this will apply in so many ways in our lives. Altars that are raised in prosperity will be broken in adversity. Altars that are raised in prosperity will be broken in adversity. When God blesses your life, when God makes you a fruitful vine, when your health is good, that's not the time to be playing around and sowing wild oats. That's the time to be investing in the kingdom of God and serving Him like never before. There's a lot of people with, with worn out bodies that love to have good bodies so they could serve the Lord more. You know, God, you know what would happen if God gave them good bodies? Some of them, they'd forget God and their prosperity. You know, that's why Paul gave, I'm sorry, God gave Paul a thorn in his flesh. He didn't want Paul to be exalted above measure. He didn't want him to get the big head. Didn't want him to become proud. He kept him humble. But altars that are raised in prosperity shall be broken in adversity. You can mark this down. If God blesses you, and you take that blessing, and instead of think, being thankful to God, you end up being forgetful toward God, and you take that blessing, and you run off the wrong direction with it, God will say, okay. Okay, I blessed you. I see how you handled that prosperity. And now the altars you built with the prosperity you, I gave you, they're going to be destroyed with the adversity I'm about to give you. That needs to be a warning to each and every one of us. If God's blessed you and you're in a time of health and peace and, and, and joy in your home, this is the time to be getting into your Bible, learning God's Word. This is the time to be serving God. This is the time to be sowing seeds of righteousness that you can reap in the kingdom of God when He comes again. And if you don't, you may lose that health. You may lose that peace. You may lose that prosperity and your altars that you built in times of prosperity will be torn down in times of adversity. Christian, don't let the blessing of God cause you to forget the God of the blessing. In times of prosperity, instead of raising idolatrous altars in your life, raise your hands in humble thanksgiving to God. Psalm 103, verse 2. Psalm 103, verse 2. Tells us the attitude that we should have in time of prosperity. In time of prosperity, say this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Have the attitude of thankfulness instead of forgetfulness is basically what the psalmist is saying. I'm going to bless God and I don't want to forget His benefits. 
I don't want to be forgetful. God will tear down altars, but He will never tear down a grateful heart. If you have the heart of that psalmist right there, Lord, thank you for the blessings you've given me. I'm going to acknowledge you for the time of peace and prosperity that I have in my life and my family is enjoying right now. I bless you. I praise your name and help me to not forget the benefits you've given me. Show me the path to walk and help me to do so with the blessings you've given me. And if adversity does come my way, help me to continue to be faithful therein. Because God will tear down altars. He'll never tear down a grateful heart. Look back in your text. He shall spoil their images. It is their graven images that they made to worship. False gods during their time of prosperity. And as their images were uh, according to the abundance of their fruitfulness, now their fruitfulness would be according to the destruction of their images. See how that works? At one time, they leveled up their altars according to their prosperity. Now God was going to level their prosperity according to their altars. <laughs> I'm going to destroy their altars... And as their altars is, so their prosperity shall be destroyed. I'm going to level it down when they had been leveling it up. As their altars fell, so would their nation fall. Here's a kingdom truth. Images raised in prosperity shall fall in poverty. That's how come we're looking at all these nations of days gone by that we mentioned earlier like King Nebuchadnezzar, like Babylon, like Assyria, like Rome, like Greece. And you look at those nations, and what happened to those nations? They were raised in prosperity. They, they had images that were raised in prosperity, and they fell in poverty. And America is not too far away from that. God has blessed this nation like, I, I can't say like none other, I mean, He blessed Israel, but my, has He blessed this nation on account of our godly heritage. And in turn, when we got the blessing, we started building the altars. <laughs> and it's sad. And, and, and if we continue this route, then our images that were raised in prosperity will fall in poverty. Never invest your wealth in something that God condemns. And with that I'll close with a poem. That I wrote. An empty vine in trouble. Once a fruitful vine in peace. The more God blessed the nation. The more their sins increased. Prosperity can make us forget. We were in bondage to that land. Blessings can make us raise altars. When we should be raising hands. Father, we thank You so much for Your precious Word. Thank You, Father, for teaching us, Father, the need to overcome prosperity, not just adversity. That You have called us to be faithful in both blessing, in both the good times, as well as the difficult, hard times. And Father, we pray that as You bless us, that our altars will not be according to your blessings, but our thanksgiving will. In Jesus' precious name, amen.